Alexander, yesterday we purchased a piece of land for development, and I started pooping bricks. <laughs> not, not, not what we expected. Also, I feel like if you say my first name, Alexander, you need to say my middle name, Keith, and my last name, Gore. Like, you need to do the... If you're going from Al to Alexander, yeah. you need to Everybody usually body. knows him as Al Gore. Yeah. Um, but you can also call me Alexander Keith Gore. Okay. Alexander Keith Gore. Yesterday, yeah. we purchased a piece of land, and my reaction after we closed was uh, just anxiety, and yours was excitement, and you look completely confident. Well, no. What is going on? <clears throat> so... Uh, when is the table going to turn on that? I got my excitement from the firm, from all the guys here. They kept asking, hey, did you get the land? Because they thought it was early because I told them it was at 8.15 in the morning because you told me it was at 8.15 in the morning, but you deny that. So anyways, <clears throat> they're, they're all excited. And I, I honestly wasn't excited because, I don't know, it's just a process. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know the road is, is, is long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Excited is better um, because, like you said afterwards, now it's time to run. So you might as well get exactly. excited. Exactly. I just felt it. like the talk clock was ticking yeah. so, right after the meeting. Speaking of that, well, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Uh, this is Inside the Firm where you get an inside look at what our firm is doing. Um, and the major thing of what we're doing is we're doing a design build. So if you're an architecture firm or a business that's interested in design build, uh, this is a podcast for you. The other part of what we do is we go in the past and we talk about lessons learned. Um, so we give examples of stories, what you can expect, what we did. That might be what you should do or what you should not do. <laughs> I guess that's up to you. Um, but I wanted to say that intro because some people might be coming in at episode five, six, and I feel like I feel like they need an intro. I agree. Yeah, that was a great intro. Wow. Now, if only we had a sponsor and we could just read a copy right now, right? Our sponsor is RevitFurniture.com. <laughs> Go to Revit Furniture for all your template uh, tutorial needs for Revit. RevitFurniture.com. Look at that. What else do you need? Spit something else at me. <laughs> That's. I think we're good. Wow, this guy is full of pep today. Mm -hmm. I, I had a really long day yesterday. I think I worked from like 6 to 8 when I got home at night. So um, I'm a little tired. But Alex is going to pick us up with his peppiness today. Yeah. So let's talk about the design build project. And just to reiterate, if you haven't watched all the past episodes, you should. We talked slash listen because this is a non-video podcast. No, just stare <laughs> into a white screen and visualize us talking right right into your ear. Um, so uh, we did design build in the second half of all those podcasts. Uh, so just to let you know if it, that's where they're at. Um, and basically, what we talked about was getting land and. What you need to do is find out who's going to loan you enough for the land. Because unless you have $150,000, $400,000 for the land in your pocket, which a lot of you don't, and we don't. Especially if you're a first-time developer, and that's kind of the angle we're taking. Uh, we're just reflecting reality in this podcast and telling you as first-time developers, here's here's how you might do it. Yep, yep. Um, so we didn't have the money. So go find a bank that lends for land and then ask them how much to put down. And those are, in your opinion, since you're always, you know, are, are there, are they common? Like are no. these, no, they're not right. They're yeah. not common. There's literally only one that we've found. Yeah. So, so far. and they were local. I don't know how everything aligned, but honestly, it's not going to be your Wells Fargo. It's not, I don't know if we mentioned this, it's not going to be your Wells Fargo. It's not going to be your first bank. It's not going to be that. It's like ours in Longmont is Centennial Lending. So there's going to be some weird name, right? So find the the weirdest bank names that you've ever heard of. How did you of. even find them? Did you just look up land loans? Yeah. I mean, Google, as simple as that. I just Googled it. Okay. So you could Google it. And they do work. Like we had to get a blue bank account 
So, so yeah, they like they they some some banks will require you to. I mean, obviously, if you don't bank there, you know, and you go in and talk to a bank there and say, "Well, do you have an account here?" and they're going to want you to do it. Yeah. So this one wanted us to add in a, you know, have an account at some credit union. Yep. So if you can't find it on Google, you can also call up the Wells Fargo's and, and whatever. I don't feel like Wells Fargo is going to be that helpful, actually. Um, but you because you don't want to talk to a teller, you want to talk to a banker and yeah. then ask. If I would even it. recommend just walking into your local local credit union find out find as most local one as you can there you go because those people are on the ground they'll be able to you could say hey i'm looking do you guys do land loans if they say no no big that's that's fine and then ask them do you know anybody who does and i bet they'll be able to refer you to some other banker they're pretty well networked yep and then the real so we went to closing yesterday and his real estate agent let us know hey go to um what is it uh elevations credit union which i'm a part of and they do construction loans so they might not do land loads, land loans, but they might do construction loans. So anyways, what I'm getting at is know how much that they want you to put down. And then somehow you have to get that money. So just, <laughs> just earn it, <laughs> just, just save. So, yeah. And I, I think, um, I mean, that sound might sound obvious, but I think here's a mistake that we've seen other people do is they either, they either decide like, uh, we've had people come and, and tell us, Hey, I want to build 50 houses. And we're like, okay, great. Do you have land? No. Well, I don't know. Come back when you have land. So, I mean, it's fundamental as fundamental as it sounds. First, your idea is look, you're going to, you, uh, you need to fi- figure out even go further back than that is, uh, how much money am I going to need for X for X amount of land? Right. Yep. And start going down that rabbit hole. Then, then once you know those parameters, okay, am I, am I a year out before I can even start looking for land? Because I know I need to get you know, I need to get 50, 60, 70, hundred thousand dollars of cash. Then, yep. then the sequence goes from there. I can't believe you took that only large CU shirt when we were there. I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a CU shirt, go buffs. And I want, so, um, Lance, can you get this money from investors, family or friends? Yes, but only if it's a gift and there's no ties associated to it. That's the way we understood it because it's sort of like, okay, pretend it, pretend it was an investor and you said, hey, investor, I want to buy some land. Um, are you asking for the down payment or in general? Down payment. Okay, yeah. So if it's just for the land, just for the down payment and you said, hey, investor, I, I need 50 grand um, because I'm going to buy this $150,000 piece of property and I need a 30% down payment. 33. 33. Yeah, whatever. Um, so the lender is going to instantly ask you, well, where'd you get the money? And then drugs. Is <laughs> <laughs> the answer Al would give. Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing you could tell them but but you're really gonna have to tell them no i got it from i don't know harvey shark lending let's call it that yeah and they go oh and then they're gonna ask you oh so what's your payment schedule with them and then the whole deal falls through and basically you what they then realize is oh you don't have any money so like this down payment the money that you're supposed to have for the down payment isn't really yours so at least that initial land has to be yours. Now, when you go for your big construction loan, you're gonna need 20 or 30% of that. So that's where you can get like a pool of investors together and then. Yeah, so 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 Alex asked like a two part question, you know, could, I, could you ask an investor? Yes, but then the whole thing falls through um, for the land part and the biggest part is securing the land. And then could you ask a family member? Absolutely, but it has to be a gift. The same thing has, to, like you could have a, you could have a private um, agreement with them that nobody ever has to see. It's sort of a workaround. I mean, I don't think there's anything illegal about what I'm saying right now. And of course, um, where you say like, Hey, I will pay you back dad in two years, you know, 10% or, or none, or I will just pay you back. And we have this, you know, family agreement. Shout out Keith Gore, send me some money. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, excuse me. So then, uh, once you get it, how is it structured? So the clock is click ticking and what we mean when we say that is we now have to pay for this loan every month, right? And, and it's, it's no, much different than like a mortgage, the land loan he's describing. Because it's not 15 years, it's not 30 years, it's three years. So if you did a regular loan at three years, so you're gonna and let's say it was two hundred thousand dollars for the land, you're gonna have to pay, I don't even know how much, you know, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars per month. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you divide two hundred thousand dollars by thirty six months. Think about it that way. Yep. Um, so basically what you want to do is you want to get a balloon loan. Um, and when I, when we're giving you all this advice, this is just literally what we're doing, not what you need to do or should do. It's just, this is our own anecdotal experience. Yeah. So when you should get a balloon loan, don't take that literally make your own judgments, um, all that. And a balloon, a balloon payment is that, so we, we only pay basically a thousand dollars per month, but then at three years we, our balloon loan comes in and then we have to pay the remaining like. 75,000 or whatever it is like that. So, but we should have already designed and built them and sold them by then. So we should have the cash to just pay off that. And we actually don't know, you know, when Alex says that my brain instantly goes to, okay, how does that work with the construction loan? Because a lot of times what they'll do, I mean, I built a house and what they'll do with the construction loan is, you know, the developer is taking on the construction loan to build the house or, or the development. Right. And at the end, everything gets rolled into a mortgage. So uh, what I don't know, what I'm wondering, you might be yeah, too, is like, okay, after the construction, after we're done with the development, the construction loan is done, we've closed on all the properties and we've rolled it into a mortgage. How does that tie into, like, I think it, hopefully it's all snowballed into also paying off the land loan as that happens as well. You know what I mean? Everything's like funneled into this mortgage yeah. at the end. We'll have to look into it. What I think, but I don't know if this is correct, is... Okay, we have our construction loan, and we can talk about pre-selling later. But if we are pre-selling or have them sold while we're constructing it, so then they take, we give them the keys right when they're done. That means if we gave them the keys, they have their own mortgage. That means we get, let's just say they're three hundred thousand. Yeah. Right. So we literally get that three hundred thousand. So we don't even have to take out a mortgage. We are literally just paying off that construction loan, and then have the profit, and then pay off the land load. Is that how it works? We're gonna see, and that we'll, tell, we'll, <laughs> we'll tell let you, you know. About it. But that is where my brain goes. Um, but it does that doesn't take away from Alex's, you, you, you know, the, the point of ours. Our land loan is structured so it's a balloon payment at the end. So that's how we're able to carry this amount of land and 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 how much it costs over a three year period while still like hopefully making enough money where we can put a down payment on uh, the construction loan. Yep. So now that we have the land and we already had our pre app meeting. Um, Basically, we have to, in the pre-app meeting, they gave us a whole list of things that we have to do and things that we have to submit. To have a neighborhood meeting, we need drainage, we need a lot of civil stuff, we need elevations. So like in-house, we can take care of a lot of that, um, but then we need to get our consultants. So we need to get um, a photometric plan from a lighting electrical engineer, um, a landscape plan, probably do that in-house, uh, irrigation plan, don't really know, um, might do that in-house, but it's all going to be design build in the end. Mm -hmm. um, and then what's the other ones? Uh, a whole bunch of civil. So that's what we're working on right now. Yep. So right after the closing yesterday, uh, Alex started working on getting, getting quotes from different, um, different consultants, civil engineers, like he talked about electrical engineer. We're going to, we're going to try to convince the city to do a lot that we can do the landscape part and I'll stamp it. Um, but on, on that note about consultants, uh, you know, what, one of our really good friends is a structural engineer. And so what we're, what we're trying to do is uh, come up with, convince them 
to come up with creative solutions on, you know, structuring a, f- a fee more creatively to help it work for us, right? We don't have a lot of cash for this yep. this development. Maybe in the next one, if this one's done well, we'll have more cash. We can pay them. We can pay them more upfront. But if we can, so there are ways you can try to get other consultants to be creative with their fees. Where maybe maybe they just the upfront fee is a, like a cost fee. So if it costs them fifty dollars an hour to keep keep the firm fed, right? But really they bill out at a hundred dollars an hour. They defer the fees for later. So like. Yep. You know, we, we structure it. We structure it as if um, until we get the construction loan, and then we can we can start feeding them fees on the back end of everything. That if that, if that makes sense, or or at the end at the profit. So exactly, they might say, "Hey, yeah," because there there was a firm you talked with that, that is yeah. that what they were saying? Yep. Um, hey, all your civil work is going to cost five thousand, um, but we'll only charge you a thousand dollars now. Once they're all sold, give us four four thousand five hundred just for deferring that. Yep. You know, and you know, their, their ways of, uh, leveraging getting paid are, you know, they can obviously put a lien on the project. Like they could stop construction if if everything falls down. So they, they have ways of, you know, holding your feet to the fire and making you pay them. Not that we wouldn't pay them. And I'm just saying like, know that it's, I think it's okay to suggest these things, especially if it's a long-term relationship you've built with a certain a certain set of engineers who you can and architects are notorious for giving engineers work yep. you know what i mean and not the other way around even though we do get work referred from engineers but a lot of times it's the architect you know how you got your window discount for your house because you're good looks healthy? charm no because None. you're a licensed architect okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> do you think let's say i get licensed quick which i should um could we use that for this yes yes we could so <laughs> tangential point uh, for anybody who's ever going to build their own house, uh, design and build their own house, if they're an architect, there are companies and I will name drop. One is Pella. Shout that, out Pella. Yeah. I, I love their windows and I recommend them um, for all the stuff we do. Anyway, you can get a one-time ar- a discount if you specify them on your own project and it can save you, I think, up to 25% of the total cost, which is, which is massive. So that's what Alex is talking about. I don't know any other companies that do it. I think maybe Weathershield, but... Uh, if you're doing your own building, I think it's a really good opportunity to start also networking with a ton of other like building suppliers and and industry folks like that. Like the solar people we talked to the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to think about that. So you better get licensed really quick so we can get a window discount. There you go. I like it. Plus a solar discount. So there you go. I got another, I got, I also got a discount with the solar company on my house. So maybe... Yeah. Al, you got to get licensed so we can get this solar discount. And by we, I get all that money that discounted <laughs> because I used it instead of on my house. I love it. I love the plan. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Walked myself right into that <laughs> You one. did. Cool. Good job. This is a win-win for you. Yeah. I'll have to throw you some peanuts, of course. Uh, pre-sale. Alex mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, so yesterday at closing, um, the, guy, the, 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 the gentleman who ended up selling the land, um, he just yeah. had some, some health problems, but... And that's why I ended up selling it. Um, but got to know him a, a fairly, fairly well during as much as we could during the meeting. He's a he's a mover and a shaker in 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 Longmont, and some would say a long monster. And has been building. Some would say long monster. Yeah, yeah he's the long monster. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He, what do you think? A guy's been building like his whole life. I mean, he just he named like he's doing he's doing schools and Fort Collins City Hall and all kinds of stuff. Yep. So the question is, should you or should you not presale? And what are the benefits to presaling? Yeah, because he was so he started. You know, they were his agent and 
himself, they were, they said, oh, you guys are going to do so well on this project. And they were ridiculously confident. And then I was, I was nervous. And one of the things I mentioned was, we mentioned was pre-sales. He actually shot the idea down right away. Just, yeah. And he had a good reason for it. So, so we're going to talk about pre-sale. So pre-sale, the idea that we had was, hey, we're going to do, we're not going to be cheap developers because we have manpower here and we are going to do super photorealistic renderings, these awesome uh, uh, floor plans to sell. And then we're going to work with our real estate agent and set up like a website. And we're going to, we're going to try to see if we can pre-sell all of these things, walk into the bank as soon as you have a building or like while we're getting a building permit and say, look, they're already are sold. Give us the money. It's not going to be a problem. Maybe we don't even have to have a huge cash down payment. Well, we brought this up to that other developer, and he said, "Oh, I would. You can't. You, I don't think you can do that anymore." And yeah, you don't you remember? You looked no. at me. Well, because I was in the bathroom. I came back, and oh. you guys were in the middle of the conversation. Oh, great, great. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know Alex was. Doing you didn't this. even know I wasn't even there. <laughs> That's, That's how hilarious. much I pay attention to him. Yeah, not so much. So he said, you know, he basically shot it down. That's he goes, you can't do that anymore. And and I I was just completely open to anything he had to say because right. this is a, a very successful man. And he said, and I'm like, well, why can't you do that? And he goes, well, construction right now, so the residential market is so hot in Colorado, and there's such a labor shortage that costs go up so much. So, like, if you, mm-hmm. let's say you were gonna, we were going to sell just a round number, sell each unit for $100,000. He goes, if you pre-sell that based on your current construction costs, but, but uh, and then you go get the construction loan, Let's say you don't get everything finished for just one year and it goes up 30%. You're going to have to eat that cost. Yeah. And let's say, let's say the construction costs were 70,000 and then all of a sudden it went up 30%. Now you made $0. You Literally. made $0. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so all of a sudden you're, you're, a, you're a poor developer. Yeah. So Alex came, you know, caught Alex that, in. caught that part of it. Uh, I think this is where like Alex came into the room and we are, we are all kind of convinced like, oh yeah, okay, well let's not do that. Well, Jump. Lo and behold, lo and behold. So, uh, I got got home later that night and uh, was hang, hanging out with my fiance, who's who's also our agent, our real, realtor. And Shout she out go, Marilyn. And she goes, "Yeah, resident. What is it? Uh, your edge in LongmontRealty.com. There you go. Josh, what is it? What's your website? Nailed it. I got yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> so I I brought that point back up to her when we were talking last night, and she goes, "Well." Don't you remember our house even did that? She goes, so, but but the developer didn't have to eat the cost. And I go, that's right. And she goes, explain. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I go, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So we had to eat the cost. And we did. I mean, I think I think our house went up by about 30% on average. And it's because of all the reasons I already, I already mentioned, you know, labor costs and material costs and all that kind of stuff. It just went through the roof. But we still had to eat it like... We couldn't, we couldn't not eat it. I mean, we had to cough up. I had to cough up. She did, too, quite a bit of money at the end, cash, to make it happen. Okay. No, it's I don't crazy. even know if I told you that. I think I did, but not in that kind of detail. Okay. So let's explore this idea. Um, is this the one that you wanted to spring on me? Yes. Okay. If, if you were taking the architectural test and they asked you. <laughs> honestly, this is because I just went over this. Okay. Okay. So you're taking the test, and it says... <clears throat> You as the owner, the owner signs a contract with the contractor for a million dollars, right, to build the thing, and they know it's going to take a year. Well, because of um, shipping delays or or whatever, or the contractor didn't order material in time, it went up twenty percent, right? Mm-hmm. Who who is responsible for that cost? Your answers are 
A, the owner, B, the architect, through C, the contractor, D, none of the above. What's your answer? My, my answer is A, the owner. You would be wrong. Because it's the contractor. It's the contractor. Yeah. It's the contractor. So obviously, like, with your house, you play, like, and this guy is a developer who we do work with. In, and but I think, so, and then just back up one second. That question is for, I think, your typical AIA own, owner architect. Agreement. Agreement. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're supposed to factor that in. And they can't. Which, everybody listening, not everybody uses those AIA contracts. We never have. Exactly. Exactly. But you, but, um. Because, and, and this also has to do like these AIA contracts, they're talking about schools, millions and millions of dollars, you know, like they're talking about big stuff. So like if you make a bond or a company like does something huge for the so many $50 million, you can't, and it's going to take two years and you know, it's going to take two years. And these contractors should be in business for 30 years. Like they should, they should, you know, price adjust and know what's going on. Um, you can't go back to the city or the shareholders or something else and say, Hey, we need, you know. Two point five more million dollars, even though they do do it. Anyways, in our case, we couldn't go back to the bank. How about that? Because when we go, you know, we couldn't go ask for a bigger construction loan. So yeah, we would have to figure out how to cut corners or something like that. So so here's the with the pre-sale, um, the benefit is it might look better to the bank, and maybe when we go, it we, actually, I mean, I'll just say it, it will. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, um, we're getting refills on coffee. Sorry. I, I, with our coffee mule, Fernando. <laughs> Shout out, Fernando. Shout out, Fernando. Um, but but we should ask the bank, and, and we should lay it out like that. We should lay it out exactly like it is, because they will know where the market is and what it's going like. Lay right? it out as if there's going to be an increase in costs? There might be, right? There and, will be. And, and there will be. And he might say, guys, um, Go ahead now. As long as you have, you know, 20% down or something like this, like, don't even worry about it. You, you know, just just go ahead and, you know, sell them later. We're, you know, like, he might be fine with it, right? So if he's fine with it, mm-hmm. what... <clears throat> the bank. If the bank is fine with it, then what are our positives and negatives of, of pre-selling? Okay. Positives is just we know the cost, and yep. we might be able to time the market at the high point. Yep. Right? Yep. But who knows if they want to get out of it then if we do tie it at the high point, right? Time it at the, the high banks. Point. No, no, the the buyers. Okay. Right. Um, the negatives are once you pre-sale, then you have to deal with people, and yep. dealing with people adds complexity and all this other stuff. And if you can just deal with less people, it, it, it's better. Three, you might be losing out because construction costs might go up, and those people might say, "No, you eat it." You know, they might say, "Go screw yourself. I won't take it." Then I said, "You know, a hundred thousand." a hundred thousand or else I'm walking away, yep. you know? And then they just walk away with their, their earnest. They, we keep the earnest money, measly 5,000 or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Or, yep. or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other, the other negative is that during that time, it could have gone up. The market could have gone up to 120. So one, you know, that's 20 more thousand times eight, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's like, we need to go to the, we need to just have a preemptive meeting with the bank. Um, and, and say, and they might even say, you know what, with you guys, you're so new, we require you to pre-sell some of them. I'm like, okay, we have no choice. Well, yeah, some might, some might. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was Alex's theory. Let me tell you how, how we want it to, that's yes, you're right about all that stuff. Yeah. But let me just tell you about our, my experience, our experience with the house. Yeah. So the way our contract was set up, it was with, with the developer slash our builder was he had it all listed out that all of these costs are going up and like all, all prices agreed upon from here on out 
um, the the buyer, aka us, yep. is well aware of possible yes. pr- price increases. And then like, anyway, all this stuff is spelled out in legal mumbo jumbo. Yeah. And that's the way I want to set up our contracts. So we're going to use his same lawyer. Yep. I built my house and then set it up for that inflationary period. My, the point about this is, is you got to be aware of that inflationary period. So you can still pre-sell as long as you're aware of it and it's written and you're bulletproof. And and I don't want to – I'm not saying I'm anti-pre-selling. I'm just throwing a wrench at you because yeah. you have to think about all these angles. So I'm not saying I'm well, anti Well, yeah, yeah. No, I, it was a good point about the banks. I didn't even think – I didn't – I only thought about our contracts with the buyers. I didn't go further and think about the banks. I think it's a good point. Like how does the – we do have to talk to the bank. I think – we set up the contracts as if we show them the whole business plan. We set up the contracts, yeah. we show them, and then we say, like, well, how do you guys which, feel about this? Which way should we go? Yeah. yeah. Should we go left or right? Which way should I bear? Because there was, there was some other townhomes that we did in, in Lakewood. I know for a fact they have kept creeping up in prices. And yeah. I don't know how he structured his contracts with his sellers, buyers. Two, two things. Um, one, that contract with you was with an architect who knows the building construction process, knows things goes up. Sorry, no. developer, you mean? The developer yeah. was, no, but you were buying the home. You are in the business. Yes. So like you had a clear head. You had realization. You knew what was going on. Compared to like your average buyer. Yep. Okay. So your average buyer won't just, because you knew like, okay, I'm going to be hit on this. It's going to come up. It's going to come up. You know, I'm going to be okay with it. That's way different than dealing with your average consumer. Well, and my fiance I- wasn't aware of it and she got hit at the end. <laughs> And <laughs> did she take I mean? it as easy as you? No, no, exactly. no, no. Yeah, yeah. Here's the other point. So, so yeah, it's a great point. How many times have we gone back to? Um, is it fun asking developers for more money? We hate it. We and hate it. So we hate asking for additional services. Yep. Uh, we try to avoid it at all costs. And if it's going to go up multiple times, do you want to ask eight people three times? We need to up it for this. Give a rationale. Deal with those emotions. Depend like depend. <laughs> pretend like you aren't busy and have better things to do than to listen to their complaints. You, me, and you have talked to developers and people. Are, are, all of our the last couple projects you know about. It is terrible, and I want to avoid that if possible. The second thing is not only might cost of materials go up, the market just might go up. And can you just justify charging exactly. them twenty thousand dollars because the market just went? Oh, also someone else would buy it for twenty, so pay us twenty more. Geez, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so our head chopped off. So just know that this is kind of the uh, we don't really even have a conclusion at this point. This is literally inside the firm. Yeah. To, yeah. Talk. You're inside our brains right now, yeah. for better or for worse. Okay. Uh, thinking about that. So that's where we're at with the development. Um, unless you have anything else to add about it, where where we're headed towards. No. Hey, if you guys have thoughts, comments, experience, um, go to our Facebook page. Send us an email. Akg at f nine productions dot com. Um, do we have Twitter, Instagram, all that? I'm sure we do. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, F9 Productions. Uh, Instagram, F9 Productions. You just Google all f- yeah. us all over the place. We're Get all a over hold the web. of us. Get a hold of us. But Facebook. And and the, actually, I, we over the weekend, we started a uh, private Facebook group that is only that is exclusively for uh, any any listeners of Inside the Firm. We'd love we'd love to people for people to just start discussions, ask us any kind of questions at all. Like we're the big thing is we're here to help and here to just um, talk with everybody, engage socially. Yeah. So. yeah. Cool. All right, moving on. Moving on. So we started this podcast opposite of usual. The usual way we do it. Usually we start with um, a blast from the past. Blast from the past, and then what's happening now. So now we're gonna go. We're gonna go back to the past. Back to the past. Back to 2012. So uh, one of the things that 
I think we've mentioned and we've mentioned on other podcasts is do one fun project a year. Are we calling this our fun project or do we have another one? What? The, oh, the, yeah. the development project? Yeah. I think the podcast is the fun one. There we go. Yeah. There we go. We might do another one because we like to involve the everyone at the firm. Oh, we're going to pitch a television show. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That, but are those really fun? No, it's a lot of work. If you ever get if you ever get asked to be on TV, even if it's a reality show, no, first of all, it's not reality. Uh, there are there is a fair amount of acting involved. Yeah. Uh, they actually put lines in your mouth, and it's a lot of work. There you it, go. Like you feel like you have worked all day being on camera. Yeah, 100%. you're exhausted. Okay, so let's go back to 2012 and our fun project of that year. We were driving to the Grand Canyon with our girlfriends at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, the end of the world was coming. So we decided that we'd make houses for Doomsday. And then we made a website called Doomsday Dwelling. And um, Doomsdaydwellings.com. Yep. What was cool about it is that we simplified. So we came up, you know, there's there's four major um, elements, right? Fire, wind, earth, water. and water, mm-hmm. right? So we had to protect against each one. And then each one had a shape. So fire was a square and it collapsed in on itself. Wind was a circle. So like the wind would, a tornado would blow around it, or we said a nuclear bomb, which this thing would go underground. Mm-hmm. Um, flood was a rectangle elevated so that the waters could go under it. And then earth for earthquake, earth for earthquake was a triangle because triangles are very stable. The, yep. One of the most strongest geom- geometric pieces there is, yep. right? It's called house house because it's shaped like a house house shape. <sighs> um, and it was super fun. It was super fun. It was incredibly fun, and then I think the other thing was uh, every time we do so, like Blake said, when we did the tiny house, it's highly topical, right? That that whole movement started to take off. Yep. Every uh, the web was flooded with all kinds of stuff like that. Twenty twelve, that was an obvious one because of the Mayan calendar and that. I mean, it's a false prediction. Obviously, we're here talking to you. Yep. But even the the flood house was very topical because Fargo was having floods. So like, I literally just took that one house out and said, hey. This is something you can run in your newspaper. So not only are we doing, you know, think about a fun project, but then also think about the news and what's happening and does it relate. You don't have to do this, but this is what we've done. And I think this is why we've been in magazines, on TV, that why people know about us and all that. Yeah. You might have your own cool idea, but if, 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 there's, if there's not like a groundswell that you're just sensing, um, you know, you might just shelf that idea and try to find something that is... There's a there's like a grassroots movement going on like on the web and people are talking about it. Yeah. Like the hot one I could think of right now is 3D printing of houses. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what if you what if you started proposing a bunch of those, you know, that like oh, I can build these and what was the one that is went viral over in Russia? Russia? Yeah. Yep. And then no, you, there's one in Russia and somewhere else. Like oh, China. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has a really cool one. Look up Saudi Arabia tiny house. It might be UAE or Dubai. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just Google smash those words together um so you can take an idea that you do have and then just adapt it to whatever is topical too um another one that i think is cool but it's maybe just in like our little genre is virtual reality so maybe i i I don't know if that would be i don't know if that's going to go anywhere with the news but i know 3d printing would go with the news yep yeah yep uh so the the big the big the cool thing was about about that project was it we got this, and we started another website. It was another way for people to find us all over the world. Um, hopefully, Colorado, where they would decide, "Hey, we're going to contact you guys to build one of these." I mean, it is still a life goal of ours, like a professional life goal, to get all of these built by yeah. someone, even if they're slightly different. I don't care. I just, I just think they're rock star level houses. Yeah, and God, if they're in one neighborhood, 
It's circle, square, triangle. And we have got we have got inquiries, but I mean, you know, the price tag always freaks people out. Like we tell people, I think for the, we're you know several million dollars for each one. Yeah. Well, There's some no of them around. are below, but most like yeah, only one or two of them. They all, a lot of them have like movable. I think all of them do. All of them can like expand and contract, and you yeah, know. Besides flood house, but the other one there. No, flood house has those panels that can move in and oh, out yeah. too on the side. So flood house is so cool too. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, see, so we started that in 2012. It's 2017. Two weeks ago, CNN called me, um, mm. and they're supposed to be doing an article in style, and it we're supposed to be featured in it. They'll let us know when it comes out or something like that. But that's what's so weird about these two is they can lay dormant for a very long time and then come back. And then, like Lance said, God, I hope, I hope, if you are rich and listening to this, get in contact <laughs> with us because these are some cool houses. Yeah, they could save your life. Yeah. Uh, so what that what it, what what that project ended up concluding at at a certain point in 2012 was we ended up landing a seven page spread in modern in denver which was its prime like magazine and advertising real estate i think we calculated it would have been like over ten thousand dollars in advertising fees and stuff like that so it was a super cool article it you know we we haven't made any money off of these off these houses but what it did was it sort of it it led to another cornerstone of validating, you know, our work and our professionalism and, and, and like who we are. Right. So we could, I've, I've been in multiple meetings in the office and right behind me, we're in our conference room right now, right behind me is, are the magazines that these were published in. And so I've multiple times pulled out the books, books and stuff like that to be able to show a client that you're published, even if it's a magazine is huge. I mean, they're looking for you to be, uh, confident and know what the heck you're doing because they're going to spend a lot of money on whatever they're doing for building right yep. and then there's there's two other things not only in person but i remember after that talking to people who got a hold of us and then we said hey how did you hear about us and at least three or four times like i don't know we just kind of know about you yeah and it might be oh and another person said oh we a friend referred us referred you to us we go oh, who's that fr friend and they'd say some random name just like someone we have no idea, checked on Facebook, checked everywhere. And I wonder, honestly, like, oh, did that friend have the magazine? And then they were at their house and said, oh, check out these guys. And then, like, that's a friend recommending them. And then the other thing is that I think when these news people come and contact us um, for paper, we've been in, you know, the local papers all the time. And sometimes we'll mention some of these offshoots and I know that they're at their computer because they say, oh, I just went to that website. It makes you just, like... The, the depth, you aren't defined by this one linear thing like, oh, I'm doing an article on you because of this one thing. They look and they go, holy cow, you guys have all this. And that's wow, what, what, are you guys, what aren't you guys doing yeah. type and of thing? The, the CNN lady said, hey, I don't know if you have a press list, but put me in it for when you guys do cool stuff and let me know. Like because she saw like all the stuff that we were doing. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's kind of our flashback. Well, what the, um, another, another thing... Another way, another way that sort of led into led into stuff was um, in two, in 2012 we we started doing renderings um, for for another firm out here in yep. Colorado, and <clears throat> one of the things we think <laughs> that architects do a terrible job of is they just market to other architects. So think about like um, architectural record, right? Who who is that advertising to? I think it's mostly advertising to architects. Like I think there there was there was there's even been a couple articles written where they list out. 95% of the subscribers are, are architects and not. or work in architecture firms. Yeah. Yeah. So we've always been against that. We've always been against like, why are we just marketing to other architects and trying and try to find different venues of how not to do that. Yep. And, and I think that we're going to talk about one of the benefits, but there's two benefits. 
one benefit is that um, I think when you go for awards and if other architects are looking you up or if they're on the jury and they know that you're prevalent, I think it's easier for you to get that award, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that's that's a long, big game, right? The other thing is you can get work from other architects, and Lance will talk about that. But me, um, w- the point I want to make about these two things is that you need to t- think about like um, uh, what is it? It's like your cost. I'm looking for the word. I'm blanking for it. But your cost to time analysis, basically, like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Like, is your how about is the return on investment there? Exactly. Exactly. So if you're only marketing to architects, there are these two things that we think are real benefits. But if it takes you, you know, a month uh, of two of your guys doing it, is it worth it? It might not. Are, are you a big firm? Are you a small firm? it may or may not be worth it. And a lot of times, like we won't pay for advertising in arc record. We'd love to be in it. Um, but that's, that's what you're playing. Yeah. That's the game you're playing. So, uh, here's, so I think our conclusion is the majority of, of the time marketing, internal marketing to other architects is not going to do anything. I mean, that seems like a no brainer, right? Maybe call it 75% of the time. Then there's that 25% of the time where it can actually work. And here's the example of how it can work. I think it can work in a recession. So when a, when a big recession comes, um, especially since our the Amer- you know the economy in America is base is one of the big parts is the housing industry and the building industry. So when that tanks, architecture firms get hit right away. Right, yep. mass layoffs happen, and so the the core of who stays employed at those architecture firms are you know the people that can go sell the prod products right like the principals the project managers and then the people who are laid off the quickest are the people at the lowest spot you know entry-level people design technicians that unlicensed people that sort of thing right but at the same time those firms still get projects coming in even though it's a recession and might need to ramp up their staff Especially when you're coming out of the recession, but you aren't clear. Yeah. So and you're, like, and you're just not sure about, okay, should we hire this time person full-time or should we not? And they're still scared because they don't want to make big commitments. So there's this sweet spot of maybe like a year, a year and a half coming yep. out of a recession where they might want to hire outside consultants to, to or, or outside labor to do their work for them until they know we have an overflow. We'll go ahead and not give these guys any work and then we'll hire another person and we'll be good to go. So if you, if you, if you can be aware of that sweet spot, right? Let's say you, um, you got laid off and then, and then, uh, you know, you were on an unemployment for a while, but then you started seeing this sweet spot of, of, of that other firms were like in the news. Oh, they got this big project. Um, one way, one way is to get, to keep yourself afloat and keep yourself in the industry is start marketing yourself through other architects and, and saying like, Hey, I am open to being flexible with my work schedule. I can, I'll do freelance work for you. Um, here's all the right, re- here's the kind of renderings I can do. Here's the drafting skills I can do. So we, we got a reference from, um, one, one of a very good, a very good friend of ours. And he said, Hey, you guys gotta, you know, so he went and talked to the principals of Oz architecture, uh, cause they were teaming up on some project and they said, you, you know, and they asked him, do you know anybody that can do you know renderings and, and cost effectively? And, yeah. and Jerry ended up telling, telling those guys, Oh yeah, you should look at these guys, F9. Uh, these guys swim in renderings. Like the stuff they can do with the computer, computer is amazing. And so that's how we got turned on to, to Oz. And w- for about a year to two years, like Alex said, we ended up being um, we ended up being extra horsepower for Oz whenever they'd come, whenever they they would they weren't ready to hire people full time, but they definitely needed to ramp things up and ramp things down. Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
the other thing I would say too is that if it is a recession, maybe you aren't going to firms looking for jobs. Like I want a job. You you know that you're going to split yourself. So you say, hey, here's what I'm offering. Here's what I'm doing. If you have any extra stuff, let me know. And you do that to 20 firms. Mm-hmm. They each give you a little bit. You're good to go. And then, yeah. And if, and if you do like we do, you know, every little bit, let's say it's, you know, we're working for three or four different firms. I mean, there you go. There's a whole paycheck. You're still in the industry. Because we had a lot of friends that just completely ended up going completely out of the industry for several years or for an entire lifetime. I mean, they just, because yeah. I think... Um, no fault to them at all. I mean, how are you supposed to navigate through like the Great Recession? But oh. in the future, you know, for anybody who's like an up and coming ar- architect or even in school listening to this, you know, write write this stuff down because I think it could save your career. Like you could still end up being what you want to be yep. if, if you take this kind of approach as a rather rather than going in and doing what Alex said. Like, don't go in and maybe look for a full time job. Just go in there and say, "These are my skills. I'm 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 I can be flexible." Absolutely. So hey, that's all I got, man. That's yeah. all I got too. Well, cool. Hey, again, if you have any questions, comments, let us know. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and tune in next time. See ya.